that's long been the case where uh, there are phone rooms that will pay so much for a, um, a phone number that's tied into someone who's ordered maybe a, a program or bought something on an infomercial or a particular product. And, you know, it could be worth $7 or be worth $50. So I don't know exactly how these free conference calling systems are able to justify that, but I'm sure they find a way. And uh, you're probably added to a list. So, you know, again, Facebook sells your, sells your data and mine if you use it. They don't make enough off advertising, support their effort. And, of course, that's not new news. Uh, but just realize that WhatsApp is not free. Um, anybody who says they're offering something for free or online, there is an angle. I'm just curious uh, what that angle is. It's probably, again, you're added to a telemarketing list. Okay. I mean, blog talk, uh, we pay. And um, it's not a lot we have to pay, but there is a fee for using their service. So you either have a fee for service model or free, but they sell your data on the back end. That's that's how it works. Okay. And Facebook said that in con- congressional hearings. Hey, that's our, our model. Uh, if we did a fee for service, well, then we would stipulate as such and they would not be authorized to sell your data or mine. You would pay the fee to use it, and that's it. Unless you agreed otherwise in writing to them, uh, selling your name to a list. So nothing's free, folks. Nothing's free except salvation. But Jesus still had to pay for it. And um, there is a cost with following Christ. You may be called to lay your life down. So be ready for it. We need to preach that. Salvation is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But there is a price to pay for being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're called to pick up our cross and follow him. Uh, We're called to endure to the end, remain patient, and keep the faith, even when it could be you and I are on the terrorist list because we confess Jesus Christ the Lord and we hold on to his word the Holy Bible well we're going to go to the Bible here in just a moment and uh, praise God I'm going to pay that price how about you amen isn't Jesus worth it yes he is every bit of it nothing that the devil or this world can offer you and I that compares to knowing our name is written in the Lamb's book of life and uh, serving the Lord We want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? I want to hear it, don't you? Of course you do. Okay, and you can. Well, I decided to get out of the home office today and uh, clear my head a little bit and do some brainstorming and figured I needed a sun bath anyway, get some vitamin D. (laughs) Uh, Better to get natural sunlight than synthetic I know there's a lot of people that are all into uh, taking vi- vitamin D. And I used to take anywhere from ten to 50,000 units a day. For, for a few years, I think I used that. But then I found out that uh, it's better to get vitamin D from natural sunlight. It's the way God created us. All you need to do is have your skin exposed for about 15 or 20 minutes, and you make some good vitamin D. Sun's not bad. 
uh, irregardless of what we've been uh, taught to think. In fact, uh, it's good to get some sunlight on your retina too without sunglasses. There's a form of retinal vitamin D that's only made when the sun hits your pupils, your retina. So back to this vitamin D, the synthetic form known as cholecalciferol. It's made in the labs. Usually it's a radiating lanolin, which is made from sheep's wool. They make it, it's a synthetic vitamin. It's not natural. And something to think about is cholecalciferol is the main ingredient in rat poison. Let me repeat that. If rats eat vitamin D, cholecalciferol, they will die. That is the main ingredient in rat poison. Now, is there a link between their deaths and humans? I don't know. But I decided several years ago, I'm not going to take that chance. (laughs) And uh, I took my vitamin D and threw it out. And I don't give it to my children. What do you do if you're in a uh, a cold weather climate where you don't get much sunlight? Well, that's a problem. Might need a sun lamp, but um, I don't know if that can be proven. But I don't feel too good about that. And uh, you know, I only began to hear about vitamin D about 20 years ago, and they began to put it in a lot of supplements. It's been around longer, but just saying, now it's you know a lot of people are taking it. They swear by it. But have there been any long-term studies done on cholecalciferol in humans? We might wake up one day and find out it causes cancer. Uh, Synthetic forms of anything are not the best ways to do it. Amen? Okay. This program isn't on herbal supplements, but where where was I going with that story? So I went out, and uh, I went over, got me a Thai tea at the mall, walked around a little bit. And uh, I was uh, sitting and thinking about something I would like to do and I've wanted to do for a long time, but I'm going to get serious about it this year. I'm going to take the standard text edition of the King James Bible, the Cambridge edition, which is uh, the best, in my opinion. There's the Cambridge, there's the Oxford, then there's, you know, there the Hendrickson, and there's the Thomas Nelson, and, you know, many book publishers, but you want the best, you go with the one that started it all, and that is, that is the, um, excuse me one second, Um, downstairs, Mom, Um, you want to go with the Cambridge edition, they are the one that produced the King James Bible, way back in the beginning, they've been the official printers of the crown forever. Now, I want to take that Bible, my beloved King James, and I'm going in there and I'm going to restore God's name. Some have, some have um, went in there and made modifications to capital L-O-R-D. They put in the Tetragrammaton, Y-H-V-H, or they put in Yahweh, which is not his name. There is one that did put in Jehovah. They spelled it with J. It's actually spelled with a Y. It's Y-E-H-O-V-A-H, Yehovah, is how you pronounce it. And uh, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to do that. God's name needs to be restored. 
and the King James um, and all Bibles have done it in a service not to be consistent and use that his name it was about the 5th or 6th century as I understand it that uh, the Jews decided to, to begin to mask the name but thank God we have the Leningrad Codex of the Hebrew Bible and we've got the Aleppo Codex Masoretic Hebrew and um, there's also been thousands of other texts found, actual Hebrew scrolls we know how to spell the name we know how to pronounce it and uh, I want to thank the work of Dr. Nehemiah Gordon and his crew and Mike Rood who brought it out and uh, it's no longer a secret God didn't intend his name to be a secret. But man conspired to almost cause the name being lost. Of course, God would never let that happen, but there's so much confusion in the church right now, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Um, people don't know the name of their God. Well, it's in the King James about six times, but then it goes back and just defaults to L-O-R-D now. I have mentioned this before, but I'm going to get real serious about it this year. And I'm doing it for myself, and I'm going to make it available for free. Anybody who wants a copy when we get it done. It's not going to be an easy project to do, and I've got to be very careful. I don't want to change God's Word, and so I'm going to do it very slow, one page at a time. And I think I'm going to do it to correspond with Speak My Word. I just got to prepare. And so as uh, I'm preparing to do a reading each day, I've got to be able to get into the Word and um, look at what we're going to read and I'm going to go in and prepare a copy, which will double for this work that I want to produce. And I'm going to re- restore the name. Should have been done by the King James translators. They didn't do it. Nobody's done it. It's long overdue. And we know how to spell it now. And uh, there's no reason for people to be confused anymore. I'm doing it for myself, but I think others may benefit from it as well. Uh, it will be my uh, contribution. Uh, it, if I if I die and can c- complete this and my life was was worth something, I want to do it. I believe the Lord will back me on it, and uh, I'm going to take the um, standard text edition of the Cambridge Bible. Uh, what I want to do also, uh, in addition to um, restoring God's name in there, I want to put in a built-in dictionary probably using the text of the 1828 uh, Daniel Webster Dictionary because there are terms that you will come across we're going to come across some tonight that you've got to look up they're just not commonly used today and uh, you know we have probably less of a vocabulary today than people have in years past people by and large don't read anymore and uh our language has become smaller probably the words in circulation so I'm going to put in a built in Bible dictionary I'm going to put the words of Christ in red which is a feature you find in a lot of Bibles I'm also going to put in some original illustrations I think that would be kind of cool for the Bible some artwork in there they used to do things like that in the early days and have fine artwork commissioned beautiful bindings and beautiful fonts it was really works of art um, 
and have some other sections that will be ancillary, like uh, explanations on why the use of the pronouns that we see in the King James. Nobody ever taught me that. And most have never been taught it either. And then so you begin to mock the King James, say, oh, it's got that old English. Well, it's not old English. The King James is a modern translation. But even in that time, the pronouns were not in common use. So they had to be retrieved. And the reason they're put in the Bible is because in Hebrew and Greek, you can have plural or singular versions of every word. How are you going to transmit that into uh, English, for example, that doesn't have singular plural for every word? You're going to get an uh, incorrect translation into the language of English. So they had to, they had to use pronouns that correspond with the Hebrew and Greek so you get an accurate translation and pronouns like ye are there for a reason. They talk about an audience who's plural. Thee, thy, and thou are singular. It makes sense now that someone had explained it to me. But before that, I just thought, like anybody else, you know, this is just some archaic terms. And that's not the case. Without that, you will make mistakes in the English translation. And those that have thrown away those pronouns have made mistakes. That's provable. In many of the modern versions, they make mistakes. Then they pick it up and they have to come back and correct it with a footnote. Well, they should have just stuck with the, the pronouns. But uh, So I want to put a, a mini dictionary in there. We're going to have a, a few articles in the appendix to explain why the pronouns. Again, main function of this project is to restore God's name, the Father's name. You know, God is a title the Godhead, three and one. There are three individuals, God the Father, which in your King James, it'll be earmarked as L-O-R-D, capital L-O-R-D. You've got his son, Jesus Christ, in Hebrew, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, Yeshua the Messiah. And you've got the Ruach, Ruach HaKodesh, in Hebrew, the Holy Ghost, they are all God. They make up what is known as the Godhead, capital G, lowercase O-D. But they are individuals, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's not just God. It's not just Jesus. It's three, but they're one. Water comes in three forms, solid, liquid, and gas. Each are water, but they're three forms. As a, a guy who used to run the Shroud of Turn exhibit at the Omni told me when I was there in 83 and walked through there as my grandparents were going to the Church of God General Assembly which would occur every four years. I want to have some colored maps of the promised land. Look at all the controversy right now over Gaza. Well Gaza doesn't belong to the Palestinians. There have never been an ancient group called the Palestinians. They don't exist in history. No Palestinian king, no Palestinian nation, no Palestinian currency. Okay, These are strangers in the land that was deeded to Israel by Yahovah, God, as part of their inheritance. 
I'm talking about Gaza. And before they got it from God, God said, I'm taking away from these others because of their wickedness, and I'm giving it to you for an inheritance. And who will reside in the land? The land of Canaan? Well, in Gaza, it was the uh, Philistines. Look up the word Palestine. You'll find it one place in the King James, and it's a mistranslation because the Hebrew says Felicia. I looked it up just the other day. It's over in Joel. You'll find no other references in the King James to Palestine. And Felicia is part of the Philistine Empire. Of course, if you go back in history, and I had one guy uh, make this comment. I think he's correct. Philistines, you know, were a seafaring people. They occupied about five cities over there on the on the coast. And they originally came from probably Greece. Very interesting. Very interesting. There are no Palestinians. That's a modern invention. It was the Philistines. And the Philistines don't have rights to that land. Most of them were killed, but not all. Gaza was deeded to the Israelites. Now, they were conquered at various times and dispersed, but that doesn't change the fact that God said that is yours for an inheritance. As long as this earth stands, it is going to belong to them. And their punishment was to be dispersed because of sin, but God said, I'm going to bring you back. And he began to bring Israel back. And really the hallmark year was 1948, when it was recognized again through the Balfour uh, Balfour Agreement. And there's some interesting stories on that that uh, many people have never heard before, which I'm not going to get in tonight. How uh, one lady, who was uh, the sister of uh, the Dulles brothers, you may have heard us talking about Alan Dulles and his bro- other brother, uh, the Dulles, and they were involved in uh, bringing Nazis to America, Operation Paperclip, and then the war. Uh, Alan Dulles uh, was the first director of the CIA. He came over from the OSS. Many believe he was also involved in the assassination of JFK because he sat on the Warren Commission after JFK died, and uh, JFK had fired him, by the way, before he had uh, before he left office through death. Where am I going with this story? Well, there was a sister, and she was married to a Jewish man who was persecuted and committed suicide and uh, I'll get the whole whole story for you on another program but it was actually her who put pressure on them but put put pressure on the um, the UN uh, to allow Israel to have their land back so you know God can use anybody he wants to accomplish his will but this controversy over Israel there should be no controversy because God gave land to the Israelites, the 12 tribes. Levi, of course, doesn't get an inheritance. Uh, their inheritance is God. And there was one of the uh, brothers, only half of that tribe, I think, got the inheritance. But, you know, there's 12 tribes. And uh, they were given Gaza among other places. And God chose to write his name on the city of Jerusalem, where his temple was built. He put his name there. Zion is his holy hill. 
and Israel has a right to Gaza and they have a right to defend themselves and this group that call themselves militants you got to be a military first and you've got to have a country first Hamas are not militants they're terrorists there is no country of Palestine and even back as recent as I think the early 1900s Arabs um, agreed that Palestine is not a country but then things begin to change and you know people begin to identify as a Palestinian and you know they're trying to force it down our throats but I'm going with what God decreed he decreed that land for Israel there's never been an ancient Palestinian people I repeat myself this is a modern invention and during some of the occupation of the land by the Greeks and the Romans one of those emperors changed the name of from Judah to Palestine despite the Jews but that doesn't make it so that area is known as Judea we just don't have the correct history so how does this fit in with my project I'm going to go back in it's going to take some work but uh, we're going to put together a uh, color map of what the whole land looks like when Israel is going to have it one day because God does promise it to them and you know don't forget George Bush Jr. has got blood on his hands he forced Israel to give up Gaza in 2005 they had it America forced him forced the uh, Prime Minister of Israel to send an IDF and bulldoze homes and dispossess the Jewish people of their land and give it over to these terrorists who three years later took control of that area Hamas did and they've literally run that place down the ground it looks like looked like Tijuana Mexico as before it was a San Diego it was prospering when the Jews were there not so anymore it's going to be turned to a ruinous heap Damascus will be turned to ruinous heap too you're beginning to see what that is just a bunch of rubble nobody lived there you know what I just nuked the whole place if you will bulldoze it and uh Jews need to start over there in, in Gaza. So we're going to put a map in there. So again, restore God's name. Put a mini Bible dictionary in there. Words of Christ in red. Um, some maps. I'm going to have some fun. This is going to be my project. And before I kick the bucket, there's going to be a new King James Bible. I can't use the word new King James, though, because someone's already got that. We'll call it something like the... Uh, Yahovah Bible 2024 edition. The Yahovah King James. We've got to put King James in there. KJV because uh, we want people to get it. And uh, people love the King James as I do. And it's the best English Bible out there. But they need to get God's name right. Okay, at any rate. Uh, I found some cool tools. And I'm finding more stuff as I prepare for this project. You can get, of course, uh, the King James right up on your computer. KingJamesBibleOnline.org, which is where I read from every night. Bigger print than my little Bible. And we're going to be picking up, by the way, over there in um, 
Where are we at tonight? I, I lost my place. Stand by just a second. Let me get that. Uh, Deuteronomy 22. Uh, but there's also another cool thing I found called King ba- KingJamesBibleDictionary.com. And it uses several uh, old dictionaries like the 1828 Webster. And just put in the word. We'll use it tonight for some of these words that we're going to find that are not easily uh, translated in modern days. The meanings. Punch in there. It'll look up the the, uh, the dictionary listing for it. And you got your answer. That's pretty cool. There's also some parallel Bibles. Uh, King James uh, paralleled with the uh, Leningrad Codex in Hebrew, which is kind of cool. And some other tools that I found, which I'm definitely going to be uh, using now that I have located them. So, here we are. This project's long overdue, and it's time to get it done. Um, there's others that have done great jobs, like uh, the late Peter Whiffen, who went in and began to uh, take names of people and places and events that you just read over in English, but they have an underlying uh, significance when you look at the Hebrew. And that was a names amplification Bible. I've got a copy of that. Great man of God. We miss Peter Whiffen. We'll see him again, though, the New Jerusalem. Okay. We're going to kick off tonight in Deuteronomy chapter 22. Let me cue it up here. And uh, I really want to get in and study to show myself approved like never before. Praise God. And you can do it, too. Best investment you ever make getting into God's Word. Let's pray. Father, Yehovah, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this opportunity to speak your word tonight. This was what you commanded me to do. Back in 2005 and again in 2009, forgive me that it took me a while to get on board with you. But here we are, and I thank you for the opportunity. Bless the word as it goes forth tonight. We invite the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit of God, Teach us your word. Give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. God, bless Israel today. Go before them and let the angel of the Lord chase and persecute the enemies of Israel. God, restore that land to Israel. The rightful inheritance. Bless those that will go over there to defend Israel. Bless the American troops and other countries that will stand with Israel in this hour as many stand against it. We know if we bless Israel, you will bless us. If we curse them, you will curse us. We want the blessing and not the curse. Also, in the name of Jesus Christ, we just lift up the program that will be tonight, the prophetic hotline. God, secure the phone lines for us. We bind every demonic force that would come against us now and later today. We rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ, command it to go. No weapon formed against any of us shall prosper. Father God, surround us all with your hedge protection, wall fire, and your warrior angels. From Zechariah 2 and 5, we pray today in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 22 is where we're picking up today. Thou shalt not see thy brother's ox or a sheep go astray, and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt in any case bring them again unto thy brother. And if thy brother be not nigh unto thee, or if thou know him not, 
then thou shalt bring it unto thine own house, and it shall be with thee until thy brother seek after it. And thou shalt restore it to him again. In like manner shalt thou do with his ass, and so shalt thou do with his raiment, and with all lost things of thy brothers, which he hath lost, and thou hast found, shalt thou do likewise. Thou mayest not hide thyself. Thou shalt not see thy brother's ass or his ox fall down by the way, and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt surely help him to lift them up again. Oh boy, here's one. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto Jehovah thy God. That tells you right there how God looks at cross-dressers. Men putting on women's clothes. A woman dressing like a man is should not be. God is not into unisex clothing. Not at all. If a bird's nest chance to be before thee in the way in any tree or on the ground, whether they be young ones or eggs in the dam, sitting upon the young or upon the eggs, thou shalt not take the dam with the young. Okay. What it's talking about here with dam is a, it's a mother. It's the mother, you know, of those birds. Okay, lost my place here. Yeah, it's a mother bird. Thou shalt not take the the mother with the young, but thou shalt in any wise let the mother go and take the young to thee, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest prolong thy days. God doesn't want us to wipe out the species. When thou buildest a new house, then thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof, that thou bring not blood upon thine house if any man fall from thence. What is a battlement talking about? Well, it's some type of wall or barrier, railing, right? It says, a parapet wall or balustrade surrounding the flat roofs of the houses required to be built by special law. Okay, um, among the Jews, a battlement was required by law to be built upon every house. It consisted of a low wall, here we go, built around the roofs of the house to prevent persons from falling off and sometimes serving as a partition from another building. In other words, you don't want just a flat roof up there. Uh, people walk right off, kill themselves. And I kind of like the idea of having a a roof that you can walk on. Uh, I've always thought I'm going to build a house at some point. And the very top, it's going to be an area with uh, my battlement will be like, uh, you know, that there's some really thick, beautiful green glass that you can put around the edges of the the building. And uh, that would be your battlement. 
and then I would put um, sofa up there, some tables. You could put a barbecue grill. You could put an awning over part of it if you want a little bit of shade. But a lot of people uh, would even use those put gardens. Now, where I live now, we live in what you would consider like a duplex. We have a shared wall uh, to my left and to my right, actually in the back too. No space in between them, which is very strange. Just a shared wall. And my neighbor, to my surprise, had built a garden up on top of his um, roof. I didn't see it until one day I had to get up with a worker on the very top of our house here that we rent. And I wanted to go up there and clean out the water tank. Because what they do here is they put water tanks on top of your house. And you have a water pump in the ground. It's a well. It pumps water up up to that. And uh, and then it is gravity fed back into your house. So when the tank runs low, then the automatic pump sensor will kick on. It'll pump more water up there until it's full. And then it'll cut off. And you turn on your faucets and you got water pressure coming in from this uh, water tank being on the roof. Not to mention they're stainless steel. And they're sitting out there in the sun and it heats up the water. So you don't need a hot water heater per se. As long as you've got sunlight, you can take a warm shower. You don't need any electricity to do it. It's pretty amazing. And then, you know, you, um, towards evening, you'll still have some warm water. That stuff sits a while. But if you've used a lot of water, you know, for whatever you're doing, dishwasher, washing clothes, well, it may be cold water. And I tell you, when you live over in a hot environment, uh, you begin to enjoy cold showers. So I take a cold shower. It's not ice cold for the most part, unless we've been in inclement weather for a while. But uh, it's nice and refreshing. And so I'm up there, and we're cleaning this thing out. And I looked over and to my neighbor, and I said, whoa, look at that. I had no idea. Had a mini garden up there, and it had a door. Uh, with a spiral staircase so he could go in from his house climb the spiral staircase and end up on the roof and you know you could sit chairs out there and tables and you could have a lot of fun up there have parties barbecue on your roof why not I think it's a great idea we're not using our roofs like we could be if you live in you know a climate where you've got decent weather good amount of time you know in Mexico, they would do that too. And I've seen places that you look at from the outside and it looks like a shanty, if you will. I mean, there's not much there that you see that looks nice until you open the door and you realize this place is cavernous. It was like four stories. It was huge. Went up on the roof and it went, you could hold a couple hundred people up there and have a party, a fiesta. And I said, man, what's going on here? Well, reason it looked bad from the outside is the owners were trying to de- de- deter thieves. So if the place was made to look real nice, they'd probably be targeted. I'm talking about Tijuana, Mexico, where I lived. And a lot of places were like that. It looked like crap from the outside, but open it up, man, it was ornate. Beautiful tiled floors, fine furniture. It'd be like a little palace inside, and on the outside, it you know you just pass on by. 
But I noticed in Mexico, uh, people would build vertically. Build two levels and three, and if you had money, build a fourth. More money you got, just keep building vertically and, and have a a nice rooftop on, on top that you could entertain from. Okay, let me get let me get back on track. So God is saying here, um, when you build your house, a new house, then you shall make a battlement for thy roof, that thou bring not blood upon that house if any man fall from there. Because if someone falls from your roof, um, you're going to be held accountable. And in, under the law, you would have to actually run to a refuge city because you would be held accountable for the death of, death of your neighbor. Now, it wasn't intentional. Okay, you hadn't sought to murder them, but you know, just as we were reading yesterday, you're out there ch- chopping with an axe some wood, and the axe head flies off, get, get, gets loose, and hits your brother, or your neighbor in the head, and kills him. You've killed him. And God says, you know, you didn't do it intentionally. So that's why God set up these refuge cities. But you'd have to go to the refuge city and stay there. That'd be the only place you'd be safe because otherwise someone would be out there to avenge the death of the one whose life was taken through, you know, the accident. Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seeds, lest the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. There's instructions here for people that want to grow things. Thou shalt not plow an ox and an ass ass together. That's unequal yoke. You know, you have like a team of oxes. Either do oxes or asses, but don't mix them together. It won't work. Thou shalt not wear a garment of diverse sorts. Oh boy. As of wool and linen together. Look at all these synthetic fabrics that we wear. Polyester. What's the other one? Rayon. A lot of these are made out of plastics. Did you know that? God doesn't want his people here, he's saying, to wear a garment of diverse sorts, as of wool and linen together. Thou shalt make thee fringes upon the four quarters of thy vesture, wherewith thou coverest thyself. I believe that's called the talites. You'll see these little, um, like, strings hanging down. If any man take a wife and go in under her, that means they have sex, they get married, they have had sex, and hate her and give occasions of speech against her and bring up an evil name upon her and say I took this woman and when I came to her I found her not a maid the man is accusing her of not being a virgin says then shall the father of the damsel what is a damsel it's a young unmarried woman okay and her mother take and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity until the elders of the city in the gate. So the token of the virginity would be the virgin on her honeymoon night um, when they are having 
relations and she's penetrated. The hymen is supposed to be broken and there would be blood on a garment. The breaking of the hymen. Popping the cherry in modern vernacular. You understand me. The blood would come out. It would be on a garment. This is considered the token and they would save that. This is the proof that the girl was a virgin. His great uncle Johnny used to say, Son, I don't think we've got any virgins left over here where I live in Commerce, Georgia. Above the age of 13, everybody's sexually active. Many would not pass that test today. And if you didn't, you could be stoned. I think we're going to find out. So, this, this, uh, this girl, this damsel, young unmarried virgin, She's given a marriage. Her husband takes her, goes in, and he hates her, and he accuses her of not being a virgin. Well, then the family is required to bring out the tokens of the virginity until the elders in the gate. And the damsel's father shall say unto the elders, I gave my daughter unto this man to wife, and he hates her. And lo, he hath given occasions of speech against her. He's out there bad-mouthing his own wife, saying, I found not thy daughter a maid. He's accusing her of not being a virgin. Yet these are the tokens of my daughter's virginity. And they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. And the elders of that city shall take that man, who clearly has lied, and chastise him. Okay. And they shall immerse him in a hundred shekels of silver and give them unto the father of the damsel, because he hath brought up an evil name upon a virgin of Israel and she shall be his wife he may not put her away all his days so you come across this word as I did today immerse A-M-E-R-C-E what is that I wasn't sure so I just go over here and put it in the King James Bible Dictionary look up the word immerse it means to inflict a penalty to find somebody so what they're saying here is they will find this man a hundred shekels of silver because he had falsely accused his wife and said she wasn't a virgin and give them unto the father and he will keep that wife he may not divorce her all his days but if this thing be true and the tokens of virginity be not found for the damsel okay then they shall bring out the damsel to the door of her father's house and the man of her city shall stone her with stones that she die because she hath wrought folly in Israel to play the whore oh boy I don't hear anybody preaching about this in her father's house so shalt thou put evil away from among you God considers girls that are out there having sex outside of marriage considers that as sin considers that as playing the whore isn't that what the word just said wreaking folly and we've got a a society which encourages people to have sex sex education we don't need the, the schools teaching children about sex education. 
There's not supposed to be any sex before marriage. That would be teaching abstinence, but they don't do that, do they? In fact, this went even further than that. They're teaching kids. You can be whatever you want to be, whatever sex you choose, and we'll help you facilitate that. This is sick, folks. We need to be teaching our children. You cannot have sex outside of marriage. That makes you a hoe. God's not happy with it. And when you do get married, that was punishable by death if you're found not to be a virgin and you're given as such. What's that translate to in 2023? That's a question to ask yourself. Has God changed? Does he want people to fornicate? No, it'll send you to hell if you do not repent. Now, fortunately, there's not an instant death sentence. There'd be a lot of us dead. Because I've broken some of those rules too. But the word is very clear, as we talked about in the program last night with George Connell. Fornicators, first on the list, will not inherit the kingdom of God. If they remain in that sin, don't repent. Fornicators, adulterers. The effeminate. Drunkards, too. Where you think, well, I didn't fornicate or adulterate. You drunk? Yep. You're going to hell, too, if you don't repent. There's a whole list of sins over there. If you commit these and do not repent, you will bust hell wide open. So it will get you anyway. You'll get death. It'll come sooner or later. Unless we turn from our sins and repent. That's the good news tonight. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and God has made a way through His Son, Jesus Christ, where we can be forgiven. If we mean business with the Lord and we sincerely come and repent, saying, Lord, I'm sorry, I did wrong. Forgive me, I don't want to do this anymore. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I didn't make these rules up. These are God's rules. We need to obey them. It's time we stop playing the hoe. Do I hear an amen out there? If a man, okay, now we're going to go to the man. If a man be found lying with a woman, married to a husband, that's called adultery, isn't it? How's God deal with that? Then they shall both of them die. It's a death sentence. And there's people committed adultery out there. You got a death sentence on you. And unless you repent, if you die in that sin, you're going to go to hell. The word is very clear. Yeah, we got a lot of people doing this in the church. Fornicating, living with their boyfriend or girlfriend, playing the hoe. It carries a penalty of death. People having sex with other people's spouses, or they're married and they're having sex with someone that's not their spouse. Adultery carries a death sentence. You will go to hell and so why if we do not repent. And you die in that sin. Repent today and live. He says they both will die. Both the man that lay with the woman 
and the woman. So shalt thou put away evil from Israel. God calls fornication adultery evil. If a damsel, this is a young woman, that is a virgin, be betrothed unto a husband. Okay? And a man find her in the city and lie with her. Let's look up the word betrothed. That means contracted for future marriage. They're engaged. And there's not supposed to be any premarital sex with that engagement. There's been a deal made typically. I'm going to marry you. Could have been an arranged marriage. Could be like Samson. Hey, mom and dad, you see that girl over there? I want her going arrange with her dad for me to marry. That's typically how things were worked out. Still done that way in many parts of the world. In India, it's not, hey, I'm just going to pick my, my bride and we're going to go and uh, elope. Like Peggy Sue and the Oakwood, uh, Oakwood Oak Ridge Boys. Peggy Sue. And they elope with her. No, that's not God's way. For parents are living, you're supposed to go and ask for a hand in marriage. Get the parents' ag- uh, agreement. I had an opportunity to do that. I proposed to my wife, Mama Narita. But we still need to get her parents' blessing. And I flew into this country of Indonesia and had to go over and ask her father for permission to get it. And he didn't look like a happy camper when I met him. I didn't know how to read him. I just knew that some of the Batak people, they're mighty people. And about 100 years ago, penalty of death meant you got eaten. They would cut your head off and then they would eat you with sambal sauce. So I figured if this thing backfired on me, I might not get out alive. They might eat me eat like chicken. Choose barbecue. But I had to go over and get permission. There was about 20 people sitting on the floor, Indian style. Oh boy. Went over and we had a meal. But after, but after the talking, and I had to get permission, he, he gave me permission, then we got married. If he had not, then it would have been a dishonor, disgrace to move forward without his permission we don't have the honor and respect for people that we used to in the olden days people don't do it right anymore they don't even wait for marriage or the honeymoon night they're out there sampling the goods next thing you know you're living with a man and he says why should I marry you I'm getting the milk for free Well, the woman will say, why should I marry you? I'm getting the pork for free. People living together, not getting married. Or people living together, living in sin, it's fornication. It carries a death sentence. We don't have fear of the Lord like we should, fear of God's word. Many are going to be damned because they do not obey God's word and dying their sin but it says if a damsel that is a virgin be engaged unto a husband and a man find her in the city and lie with her 
Then ye shall bring them both out unto the gate of that city, and ye shall stone them with stones that they die. The damsel, because she cried not, being in the city. So in other words, this was a rape going on. This guy, this guy jumped her bones, apparently. And the problem is, she didn't cry out. Maybe she liked it. Maybe she just went with it. She should have screamed. Because she cried not, being in the city, of course. You know, somebody would hear you if you're in the city. And the man, because he hath humbled his neighbor's wife, he knocked the boots. He humbled her. So shalt, so thou shalt put away evil from among you. It would be a dissonance. You're engaged to be married. Somebody rapes you and you don't scream out, you die. But if a man find a betrothed damsel in the field, he rapes her. And the man force her, okay, that's rape, and lie with her. Then the man only that lay with her shall die. But unto the damsel thou shalt do nothing. There is in the damsel no sin worthy of death. For as when a man riseth against his neighbor and slayeth them, him, even so is this matter. For he found her in the field, and the betrothed damsel cried, and there was none to save her. So in that case, if you were raped, then only the man would die. Listen. If we began to do what the Word of God calls for the penalty of rape, we wouldn't have rape going on. We would not have rape going on, folks. It would be a death penalty to rape a woman. It would be a death penalty for fornication. But we don't obey God's word, and that's where we got the trouble we got. People raping everybody up in there. Hide your husband, hide your wife, hide your kids, because they're raping everybody up in there, as that song goes. Okay. Now, if a man find a damsel, a young woman that is a virgin, which is not betrothed, okay, she's just a single lady, no prospects for marriage yet, and they lay hold on her, and they lie with her, and they be found. Then the man that lay with her shall give unto the damsel's father fifty shekels of silver. So there's a difference here. Uh, We were just talking about a a young lady who's engaged to be married. Okay, as far as God's concerned, it's it's a done deal. They're going to get married and she gets raped and she doesn't cry out, death penalty in both. If she's raped out in the field where nobody could hear her scream, he dies. because he raped her it shows you about what God thinks about the sanctity of marriage God ordained marriage between a man and a woman not Bill and Steve 
But in this case, she's a single lady. And he didn't live with her. It says, He shall give unto the damsel's father fifty shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife. Because he hath humbled her. He may not put her away all his days. A man shall not take his father's wife nor discover his father's skirt. So what it's talking about is your father. Um, Many times um, you might have a man married a younger woman and let's say he died and he produces a widow. His son maybe from another mother eyes her to take her for his wife. God says don't do it. Nor are you to have sex with her. It is forbidden. That's what it means by discovering his father's skirt. Having sexual relations with his widow. Forbidden. We're just taking our time here. I'm not in any hurry. That's Deuteronomy chapter 22. Shall we take a break? Are you enjoying these programs? This is the Word of God. Things would be very different if we obeyed the Word of God, would it? We wouldn't have the problems that we've got today. And these uh, Hamas terrorists that went over there raping these women and murdering, they would have the death penalty. Death penalty. That's a great song. I may give you an encore performance later on. Okay. I did it during the break. Not meaning trying to be sacrilegious or anything, but I'm telling you what. It's happening out there. We got a problem with this stuff because um, we allow this to happen in a society. We allow this to happen. We allow it to happen in the church and look the other way and think it's okay. Who's preaching against fornication church? When was the last time you heard a sermon? in the church especially on the level of these televangelists that preach against fornication or adultery or drunkenness or homosexuality one sin as bad as the other it'll send you to hell if you don't repent they're not preaching and people are dying and going into hell thinking the Lord approved it you know what I think that you want that song again don't you okay let's extend our break I'll give you an encore of that I'm telling you what We need to start executing these rapists. We need to start executing these pedophiles. And we need to preach that fornication and adultery is an abomination to God. God does not want people hoeing around. He does not want people having sex outside of marriage. It's wrong. It brings it's evil. And if we've done it, we need to repent. And then we need to tell others not to do it too. The church has fall down the job and we wonder why we're in the shape that we're in today chapter 23 he that is wounded in the stones talking about your testicles the gonads or hath his private member cut off shall not enter into the congregation of Yahovah 
So you want to go have a sex change? You will not enter into the congregation of Yahovah under this rule. You can repent in these days and God will forgive, but look what happened. A bastard. Okay, now this is serious here. A bastard shall not enter into the congregation of Yahovah, even to his tenth generation. Shall he not enter into the congregation of Yahovah? There's a curse on the bastard. And we think it's okay to have children outside of marriage? You're excluded from the congregation. Okay. Among those who were excluded from entering the congregation, even to the tenth generation, was the bastard. Smith's Bible Dictionary. The term is not, however, applied to any illegitimate offspring born out of wedlock but is restricted to the rabbins to the issue of any connection within the degrees prohibited by the law. Now, that's interesting. I'm not familiar with Smith's Bible Dictionary. Let's look and see what the Webster 1828 says. A natural child, a child begotten and born out of wedlock, okay, an illegitimate or spurious child by the civil and canon laws a bastard becomes a legitimate child by the intermarriage of the parents at any future time. But by the laws of this country, as by those of England, a child to be legitimate must at least be born after lawful marriage. Okay, let's read on. Bastard, begotten and born out of lawful matrimony, illegitimate. A child, again, born outside of marriage. Okay. I was looking for a little bit of clarification, but we'll take the Bible, what it says. Also, it says, a state of being a bastard or begotten and born out of lawful wedlock, which condition disables a person from inheriting an estate. That's interesting. Okay. But God says... A bastard shall not enter into the congregation of Yahovah. What he says is even more strict than what society concluded. Even to his tenth generation shall he not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Is there a way to come back from that? Yes. You can break that curse through confessing the sin, standing on Galatians 3.13, having repented of that sin, asking Jesus to forgive you. He will. Then you apply the blood. Jesus Christ became a curse on the tree. You can break that curse of the bastard. That's the extent that I understand that. If there's anything else that needs to be done, I'm not sure. But I do know you can break the curse. Uh, Does that mean restoration then is automatic? I don't know. Better not to have a child outside of marriage than have to deal with this problem. But if you have, and I had myself, You have to repent, and you have to break that curse. And we need to teach people. Do not conceive children outside of marriage. Again, it goes back to, we're not obeying God to begin with. People are having sex outside of marriage. They're living together. They're committing adultery. 
People are getting out there and they're getting impregnated. They're losing their virginity. Living the hoe lifestyle. Man and woman. And God's not pleased. And it brings death. The wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. These are the fundamentals. You think we need to spend some time in them in the church? Because we're certainly not doing them. And we've got a government which is um, even went to the next degree. They're trying to help people eliminate their problem as people consider it. Their problem is they've gotten pregnant and they don't want the baby. So rather than live up and man up to what you've created and support that child, they kill it. Murder. That's breaking of the Ten Commandments. We've got a government which is trying to make it easy for people to take an after-morning pill, a murder pill. Why don't we just call it what it is? It's a murder bill. Even the White House and those evil, wicked people that are pulling the strings in the government, in that administration, Trying to make it easy for people and not even waiting on the FDA to approve it. They're, 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 they're saying uh, you could use these other means to murder your child. And just because the government says legal doesn't override what God said. We ought to obey God rather than men. And if we're asked to do something that is contrary to the word of God, we have to say I'm not going to do that I'm going to obey God folks we're doing everything that God says don't do as a nation as nations and we don't think there's going to be ramifications for it repercussions I'm not pointing the finger I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God like every one of you sometime in your life or another I know anybody's perfect. But thank God for Jesus, I repented. I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't live that way that I used to live 20 years ago. God have mercy. We could have mercy if we repented, but we're going to get judgment, it looks like, as a nation. Because a nation is no sooner repenting than the man in the moon. We're not to have children outside of marriage. And if you are a product of an illegitimate birth or you have brought a child into this world and you're not married, we've got to repent. We've got to break those curses. In the name of Jesus, you can be set free. Because they met you not with bread. Excuse me, let me back up. Verse 3. An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of Yehovah, even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of Yehovah forever. Whoa. You know who the Ammonite and the Moabite were, right? Weren't they the descendants of Lot? And his uh, two daughters that jumped his bones, got daddy drunk? First one got impregnated, and the next night the other one went in and got impregnated. Lot should have been drinking, number one. 
got himself in that stupor. Of course, he just lost his wife. Lot's wife disobeyed God, turned around, did what he said, don't do, don't look back, and she was killed instantly, turned into a pillar of salt, vaporized. Or uh, turned into a pillar of salt. What I mean to say. Okay. Saltized. Okay. Um, Because they met you not with bread and water in the way. When you came forth out of Egypt. And because they hired against thee Balaam. The son of Baor of Pethor of Mesopotamia to curse thee. Whoa. Nevertheless, Yahovah thy God would not hearken unto Balaam, but Yahovah thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee, because Yahovah thy God loved thee. Thou shalt not seek their peace nor their prosperity all thy days forever. That's a curse that stands right now, Ammon and Moab. Thou shalt not abhor an Edomite, for he is thy brother. Thou shalt not abhor an Egyptian, because thou wast a stranger in his land. The children that are begotten of them shall enter into the congregation of Jehovah, and the third generation. When the host goeth forth against thine enemies, then keep thee from every wicked thing. If there be any among you any man that is not clean by reason of uncleanness, that chanceth him by night, then shall he go abroad out of the camp, he shall not come within the camp. My understanding is if a man had a if he had a nighttime ejaculation, shot his load into his pants into the bedding there considered unclean he has to go out of the camp he shall not come within the camp but it shall be when evening comes on he shall wash himself with water and when the sun is down he shall come into the camp again okay those things can happen. It's not always a succubus. Thou shalt have a place also without the camp, whither thou shalt go forth abroad. And thou shalt have a paddle upon thy weapon. That's an interesting word. Let's see if I can find uh, an explanation of that. It says, the blade or the broad part of an oar or weapon. Okay. It could be a paddled staff. It's a staff headed with broad iron. Thou shalt have a paddle upon thy weapon. And it shall be when thou wilt ease thyself abroad, thou shalt dig therewith and shalt turn back and cover that which cometh from thee. Okay. 
That's talking about having like a, a shovel. What it's talking about is when you're encamped, you're to have a, a place designated as like an outhouse or an area rather where you go out there and uh, do number one and two. You're supposed to have a paddle uh, upon your web. In other words, a uh, shovel. And it shall be that when you will ease yourself abroad, when you shall take a dookie, thou shalt dig therewith and shalt turn back and cover that which cometh from thee. So you're supposed to dig a hole, poop in it, and cover it. Not just get out there and and drop down and drop a turd on the ground and then somebody come along and step in it. Now, there's a good reason for this. For Yahovah thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp to deliver thee and to give up thine enemies before thee. Therefore shall thy camp be holy and he see no unclean thing in thee and turn away from thee. I mean, we're talking about God is laying down fundamentals. He can't hold people accountable if he doesn't set the rules. And we weren't just born in this world and learned, learned and understood everything. God is teaching people what he allows and what he doesn't. What you're to do when you're in close company and what you're not to do. Otherwise, you've got a bunch of people acting like animals. Like they're doing in San Francisco. What people doing in San Francisco is wrong. Because what are they doing? They're just walking around the streets and pooping on the street. Now, you tell me if I'm not telling the truth. Peeing, doing number two, defecating would be the actual technical term. You understand me, though. You're having to step over poop, and it's not a dog, it's a human. And they're doing drugs, and there's needles on the ground and poop on the ground. Who wants to live like that or even go around that stuff? You pollute the land. Now, we didn't, they didn't have flushable toilets back then. And if you go out in the wilderness today, you're probably going to, you know, uh, maybe if you're out in the, the woods camping, you probably don't have a toilet either unless you brought a bucket you know, one of those portable potties. Those are kind of cool. That's the way I would think I would do it. But, you know, military doesn't do that. They're trained to live out there for a long time. What do they do? You go in the bushes. You do your job. You squat down. And you're supposed to dig a hole for it and cover it over. Otherwise, somebody comes along they're stepping on your poop. Who wants that? Do you want that? Of course not. God said he didn't want it either because he walks in the camp. And if you do that, he's going to see that as an unclean thing and then turn away from thee. Okay. Thou shalt not deliver unto his master the servant which has escaped from his master unto thee. He shall dwell with thee, even among you, in that place which he shall choose in one of thy gates, where it liketh him best. Thou shalt not oppress him. There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel you say what's God's opinion on sex outside of marriage and 
homosexuality? He said it should not be. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of Yahweh thy God for any vow. For even both these are abomination unto Yahovah thy God. See if I can get some clarification on that. Okay. It's talking about, the verse says that money earned from prostitution, whether from a female or a male prostitute, is prohibited from the temple as payment for a vow. God is rejecting whatever is acquired by illicit and filthy traffic. Teaches us that the utmost chastity is to be observed in sacred things. Nor does he only refuse the hire of a whore, but also the price of a dog unless the sanctity of the altar should be polluted by any impure oblation. The dog, therefore, is rejected not only as an unclean animal, but also as vile and contemptible. Interesting. Okay. Get back over here. Stand by. Okay, once again. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of Yahovah thy God for any vow. For even both these are abomination unto Yahovah thy God. Thou shalt not lend upon usury to thy brother. Usury of money, usury of victuals, usury of anything that is lent upon usury. What is usury? Let's look it up in the dictionary. Usury is interest. The practice of taking interest. Or a premium paid or stipulated to be paid for the use of money. Well, you're not supposed to be charging your brother interest. For money that is given to them for whatever purpose was buying of food it says usury of anything that is lent upon usury that's to the that's to the church unto a stranger thou mayest lend upon usury but unto thy brother thou shalt not lend upon usury so lend with interest that's got to be repaid that Yahovah thy God may bless thee in all that thou settest thine hand to in the land whither thou goest to possess it. When thou shalt vow a vow unto Jehovah thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it, for Jehovah thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. What is a vow? It says a solemn promise made to God To make vows or solemn promises, he that vows must be careful to perform it. Okay. 
Again, but if thou shalt forbear to vow, it shall be no sin in thee. But if you don't make the vow, then there's no sin. But if you make the vow and you don't keep it, it's sin. That which has gone out of thine lips thou shalt keep and perform. Even a free will offering. According as thou hast vowed unto the Lord, unto Jehovah thy God, which thou hast promised with thy mouth. You make a pledge. Yeah, I'll, I'll give um, $100 to the work of the Lord, and then you don't keep that word and you don't give it. God will hold you require, uh, hold you responsible. He's not telling you you have to make that pledge, but once we speak it and we say we're going to do something, we need to keep our word is what he's saying. When thou comest into thy neighbor's vineyard, then thou mayest eat grapes, thy fill at thine own pleasure. But thou shalt not put any in thy vessel. It's like the smorgasbord. Eat what you want, but don't carry a doggy bag home. It reminds me of a story. There used to be a, um, a great seafood restaurant up in uh, Alexandria, Virginia. And uh, we would go to sometime. What is that name? And I just remembered it wasn't Red Lobster. It was something like that. It was like the, uh, it'll come to me in a minute. People would go up there for uh, like all you can eat crab legs. And, uh, you know, Red Lobster has those great little cheese, um, cheese biscuits. This place didn't have those, but it had this little bowl they'd bring out. And they were almost like little, oh, it was like the size of a tater tot. What was that? Anyway, it was like, they were like little corn fritters. I remember eating those, and I would order, I'd usually order some kind of fish. They'd have French fries. and What's the name of that place? Anyway, it was like all you can eat, though. So let's say you ordered uh, catfish, you know, whatever the fish was. Uh, or the crab legs, or a lobster tail. You eat that, you want more? Just tell the waitress. It was all you can eat. And there were, you know, that's okay. But what was not okay is there were these people that were coming in, and they were taking these uh, lobster tails and crab legs, and they had a big overcoat, and they were putting them in their pocket (laughs) and carrying them out. God's not happy with that. He said, you, if you go into your neighbor's vineyard, you know, you want some grapes, that's okay. Eat thy fill, but you're not to take them away. Say, okay, that was so good, I'm going to carry a basket home. Don't do it. When thou comest into the standing corn of thy neighbor, then thou mayest pluck the ears with thine hand, but thou shalt not move a sickle unto thy neighbor's standing corn. So there's a difference. You know, God's trying to say, if you're hungry, it's okay. You could pull off a ear of corn and eat it, but to do the other, to pull out some tools and cut down a bunch of it, you know, that's stealing. Not to do that. When a man hath taken his wife, chapter 24, and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, 
because he hath found some uncleanness in her. Then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of the house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. Now what uncleanness are we talking about? I I'd have to do a little bit of research, but I think it's, it, it's apparent to me that uh, there's been some infidelity. Okay. Bottom line is, at this time, Moses suffered people to have uh, a bill of divorcement. Later, Jesus has something to say about this, doesn't he? And he makes a change to the rule. When she's departed out of the house, she may go and be another man's wife. But if the latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and sendeth her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After that, she is defiled. For that is an abomination before Yahovah, and thou shalt not cause the land to sin. Now this hasn't changed. Which Yahovah thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. What it's saying here is you've divorced your wife. You cannot come back and remarry her again once she's become another man's a wife because she's been defiled. She's had sex with another man and... Uh, whether he divorced her or he died and she was widowed, you can't come back to the first. And there's some people that are well known for doing this in Hollywood. Jean-Claude Van Damme is one of them. I think he's been married four times and his wife he's married to now, he had previously divorced and been with others. I'm assuming she was probably the man too. He can't go back and marry her. That's an abomination to God. Can't do it. Uh, Natalie Wood and... um, RJ, her husband, they were married, they divorced, she remarried, had some kids, divorced, and they got back together again. It's an abomination. You can't do that. That's never been rescinded. You're never to go back. Because if you do, you're going back to defilement. Another man's already had her. You don't go back to that first husband. When a man hath taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war. Neither shall he be charged with any business. But he shall be free at home one year, and shall cheer up his wife which he hath taken. That's kind of cool. And I think that that would be good to remember today in times of draft when you see nations do it. They're not to call up anybody who is a newlywed who has not had at least one one year at home with his wife. God's fair. He didn't want people to go to war because they might be killed. And, you know, they didn't even have a, a year honeymoon together. No man shall take the nether or the upper millstone to pledge. For he taketh the man's life to pledge. If a man be found stealing any of his brethren of the children of Israel and maketh merchandise of him, kidnapping, in other words, and turning them into slaves, 
human trafficking, or selleth him, then that thief shall die. And thou shalt put evil from among you, away from among you. Human trafficking. The penalty for that is death. Take heed in the plague of leprosy, that thou observe diligently and do according to all that the priest, the Levite, shall teach you, as I commanded them, so ye shall observe to do. Remember that Yahovah thy God, remember what Yahovah thy God did unto Miriam, by the way, after that ye were come forth out of Egypt. We're going to finish with this chapter here in just a moment. When thou dost lend thy brother anything, thou shalt not go into his house to fetch his pledge. Thou shalt stand abroad, and the man to whom thou dost lend shall bring out the pledge abroad unto thee. And if the man be poor, thou shalt not sleep with his pledge. What is a pledge? Okay. Something put in pawn, that which is deposited with another is security for the repayment of the money borrowed. Anything that is given or considered as a security for the performance of an act. Okay. To deposit and pawn, to deposit and leave in possession of a person something which is to secure the repayment of money borrowed. Okay, I like that translation. Excuse me. So it says, Thou shalt stand abroad, and the man to whom thou didst lend shall bring out the pledge abroad unto thee. Okay, so basically someone has said, hey, look, I need some cash. And I've got this. It's worth X number of dollars. I'm going to give it to you. It's like you into a pawn store and would do. And you hold on to this until I repay. If you don't repay, you get it. In any case, uh, wait a minute. And if the man be poor, thou shalt not sleep with his pledge. It could have been that the man... Uh, gave you his bed or his clothing. And in any case, thou shalt deliver him the pledge again when the sun goeth down, that he may sleep in his own clothes and bless thee, and it shall be righteousness unto thee before Yahovah thy God. So there's some really poor people, and all they had is a pledge would maybe, maybe be their clothing. And he's saying, don't don't take that from them. Don't oppress him, and God will bless you. Thou shalt not oppress a hired servant that is poor and needy, whether he be of thy brethren or of thy strangers that are in thy land within thy gates. At his day thou shalt give him his hire. Neither shall the sun go down upon it, for he is poor, and setteth his heart upon it, lest he cry against thee unto Jehovah, and it be sent unto thee. So you've hired a maid or a manservant such as many do, uh, that have the means to do it. Kind of difficult in America. It's going to cost you. What's a maid cost in America? Come in, you know, clean your house, wash your clothes. I don't think it's cheap. 
And at that, you might only get, you know, a few hours a week, but there are the wealthy that have people employed full-time. You know, it's a, it's a full-time job. And uh, that maid or manservant is going to want to get paid. You don't make them work and not pay them or forestall to pay them. Now, there are a lot of Filipinos and even Indonesians that will go over to places like um, Abu Dhabi, Arab Emirates, UAE, places where these rich uh, nations will hire a lot of housekeepers. And you basically live in the house and you probably help with the kids and cooking and cleaning it, whatever they need. God is saying, these are poor people. They got their heart set on getting that paycheck. Give them what you promised to give them. Do not withhold their wages. Lest he cry against thee unto Yahweh and it be sent unto thee. You can have a maid in Indonesia for about $125 a month. And that's a good salary. Uh, in this country, the average salary is that per month. And there are people that are, are basically uh, working 12-hour days uh, driving like a Uber to make ends meet. And they'll do a little bit better. You might make 300 a month or 600 a month. But the wages are not very high over here and in many countries. I saw a Chinese lady here some years ago at the grocery store. She had three kids, and each kid had its own nanny. And they all had uniforms, and they all had these little backpacks, <laughs> which were kind of cool looking. But um, she could afford to have three nannies. Can you imagine that? What that would cost in America? And they're working, and they want to get paid. And she don't want to pay them? That's an abomination. It's sin. Well, it's, a, it's sin. Uh, there's worse sins, but that's that certainly is sin. It says, The father shall not be put to death for the children. Neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. Thou shalt not pervert the judgment of the stranger, nor of the fatherless, nor take a widow's raiment to pledge. So you help a widow, and you want to ask her to give you uh, her clothing? In pawn, you're not to do that. But thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt. And Yahovah thy God redeemed thee thence. Therefore I command thee to do this thing. When thou cuttest down thine harvest in thy field, and hast forgot a sheaf in the field, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow, that Yahovah thy God may be may bless thee in all the work of thine hands. In other words, don't go back there and just pick your crops clean to the ground, and you see some stuff you left, and oh, left some 
some food out there, some corn, uh, some wheat. I better go get that too. No, you leave it where it lies because there are people that will come by and they'll see it and God says, let them eat it. When thou beatest thine olive tree, thou shalt not go over the boughs again, it shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless and for the widow. So you've done your, you know, your, uh, your, I guess your first round uh, trying to harvest that and don't go back and do it again and, and pick that thing clean to the bone. No, you got the harvest, but what was left behind, leave it. That's for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. When thou gatherest the grapes of thy vineyard, thou shalt not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. Finally, and thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondsman, a bondman, rather, a slave, in other words, in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command thee to do this thing. Okay, we're going to stop right there. We read uh, today Deuteronomy 22 through Deuteronomy 24. Nobody said you got to just zoom through the Bible. We'll miss the meaning. There's things we don't understand. We've got to look up. Words you may need to look up. Study it. Go over it again and again. That's the way to do it. And there's some tools that will help you and I to do it. Dictionaries, we can look up words. There's some parallel uh, Bibles. Even you can go and compare if you want. Get a little bit more clarification. But um, I stick with the King James. I'm confident that it has not been corrupted. It's based on the right um, text. The text is receptus. And it had been corrupted by Horton Westcott, who basically corrupted all the modern Bibles out there. They're a Nestle. Okay. There we are. Father Yehovah, the mighty name of Jesus. If I took any license here, forgive me tonight. But I, I thank you for this opportunity that we had to read your word and go through it, examine it, study it, put a hunger and a thirst in all of us to get into your word like never before. Bless the hearer tonight. Bless the speakers. Bless the program that's coming up tonight at 8 o'clock. In Jesus Christ's mighty name, amen. Hope you're enjoying these programs. Speak my word and, uh, hey, maybe it will encourage you as it encourages me to keep on going and uh, get into the word best investment we can make Uh, God bless you all if you want to get these programs that we're doing they are free Uh, they're going to continue to be free there'll never be a charge I'm not going to do a subscription I was pondering maybe doing that but no I've made it this far by faith I'm going to get to the end by faith and if you uh, want the copies of any of these shows help yourself to them as we upload them they'll be on Podbean you can get them there. Share them with a friend. Now, if you do want to help us, you can support this work by going to my website. It is appreciated, and it helps us to keep going. Uh, there's a PayPal there, Zelly, other ways you can give if you'd like to. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, we'll see you back tonight. If you'd like to join us at 8 p.m. Eastern, and uh, praise the Lord. Um, 
Question in the chat room. Can you remarry if each person was not with anyone else during the separation? Um, I, I, I think you can. Um, what it was referring to there is if in that interim of separation or divorce, um, either party had went out and had sex. It's too late then. You're defiled and um, move on. We're talking about in a divorce situation. Uh, adultery is having relations and you're still married to someone. You have a relation with someone other than your spouse. Now that is grounds for a divorce. However, um, if you can reconcile that, God bless you. Some cases you can. In many cases you'll never be able to do it. Because unless there is a confession of that sin of adultery by the party who did it, or parties, and unless they are willing to admit that they did wrong, are sorrowful about it, and they ask you to forgive them, and then at that you're going to probably need some counseling, and you're going to need deliverance, break those ungodly soul ties, get those demons out, came in through adultery. Chances are they'll return like a dog to their vomit. It happened to me. I tried to reconcile, and it did not work out. There was no repentance, and I then at that point was free. I think you should try uh, to reconcile, but there has to be repentance. And if people don't want to do that, then you're just wasting your time. But if you have been divorced, that's what we're reading about tonight, and uh, you go on and you get with another and have sex, you're defiled. Uh, for the purposes of going back to the the first husband, it's over. Don't do it. Move on. And there we are. God does forgive sin, but there are also repercussions for sin. Let us never forget that. God will forgive, but uh, we do reap what we sow, unless God chooses to uh, bring crop failure, as I've heard some people say. So, praise God for Jesus. Praise God for First John one nine. We can repent, but it's not a good idea to sin. It'd be better we didn't sin. Amen. And there we are. Um, praise God. Okay, that's my understanding, and I hope that uh, that answered the question. That's as I. That, that's the way I read it. Okay. Love you all out there. Um, again, uh, Jesus has a lot to say in divorce. He's not for it. He said Moses only did it because of the hardness of your heart. But that was not God's plan from the beginning. Two shall become one flesh. We're supposed to wait for marriage before sex. We want the blessing and not the judgment on us. And let's just say uh, you do get married and... Um, there's a spouse that uh, doesn't want to live with you well you can separate it hadn't been a divorce yet but you know, sometimes you just can't get along separate that's one option but for the cause of pornea I think it's, it's, it's pornea is the term 
and you've got one spouse who commits adultery, sometimes they both do. Well, that is a legal... Uh, that's a legal option for divorce. Um, and, you know, you're not under any bondage at that point. You're free to remarry. But if there's a divorce and um, it wasn't uh, for being unfaithful and you go out and you get with another person, uh, God charges you with adultery. Because as he sees it, you're still married. And marriage is supposed to be from life. Sometimes people can't get, get along together. And what do you do in the case of you're beat or abused. God doesn't expect you to stay in that situation. You have a right to vacate. And beyond that, if someone abuses you, you ought to call 911. Put them in jail. No man should be beating on a woman. Some women that beat on a man, that shouldn't happen either. Just saying. But um, there we are. Does the body of Christ really uh, grapple with these issues and preach the word? Not really. You don't hear them talk about this in most churches. They don't talk about fornication, adultery. Many are not talking about homosexuality or abortion. What the heck's going on? Why aren't these issues being covered in the church? Because a lot of sin in the camp is all I have to say. Okay, that's all I have to say tonight. God bless you all. We'll see you tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern if you'd like to join us. Thank you for tuning in. Love you all out there. Please share these programs with a friend and invite somebody to come out. We're live every day, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Didn't have too many programs today, just our one special guest, Dr. Deborah Vells. But, again, we will be back tonight, and uh, we'll have several shows for you. Excuse me, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week. God bless you.